0: Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles, That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles.
1: Welcome back to the program again this week, and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us every week at the same time. Uh, Once again, my oldest son is on the set with me today. This is Pastor Jeremy, my oldest son, Jeremy who pastors a church titled Word That Frees, and uh, they meet in a restaurant called Sweet Nola's in Winchester, Virginia. And uh, you can get information about their ministry by going to their website, and I'm sure they'll put up something that will give you some information about his ministry. But he is my oldest son and a great preacher in his own right, and you've known that by the last six programs we've shared. It just works when we're on set together feeding off of each other. So, it is a great joy to have you back again. Always enjoy it. Need to do this more. Uh, Hebrews 11, and we're going to get into it, but if you've missed any of these programs, uh, let me just say to you, you can go back into uh, our website at linhouse.com, and everything we've aired to date is archived on YouTube. And you can also uh, go there, and uh, you can go to our podcast. Uh, there is a direct link. It looks like a little iTunes insignia. And if you tap on that, it'll take you directly to our podcast, and you can download or listen to a stream and enjoy the audio portions. There's also an RSS feed. It looks like a little robot there that looks like an Android. And you can listen to the audio feed while you are jogging. You're in your car. There's so many ways to listen to it and get the word. While you're there, check out some of the products we have. We have several books we've written. Uh, we we've we just wrote a new one called From Law to Grace, and of course that's what we talk about more than anything else, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. This book will bless you. Uh, I wrote one called The Revelation of Jesus Christ. If you've heard us talk about some stuff from the book of Revelation, this book covers the first four or five chapters of the book of Revelation from a New Covenant perspective. You'll be blessed to get that one. And then I wrote a book titled Unforced Rhythms of Grace. It's there along with all kinds of downloads and uh, CDs and uh, digital files. You can get all of that there. And get it, you can get immediate downloads from our website to go in and be able to listen to anything we have shared to date there. So just go by there. Uh, your partnership with our ministry is uh, really coveted because that's what helps us take the gospel around the world. So when you go there, if even if you don't want products uh, and you want to associate in the ministry, there's a place there where you can do it via credit card or debit card. It's just uh, easy to do. And you can even set it up for a monthly debit to become a partner with us. We're going to not spend a lot of time talking about support. We want to get in the Word. We believe God's able to lay on your heart what you're supposed to do, and so just obey Him. Hebrews 11, again, is the transition. The apostle, whoever it is, that is writing Hebrews 11, and I personally think that if Paul did not write it, it might have been Barnabas or somebody who was greatly influenced by him. The message of Hebrews 11 is, it's written to Hebrews, who are in the final days of the closing days of the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant was based on fear, and the New Covenant is based on faith. Uh, The Old Covenant was about a law you had to keep, and the New Covenant is about receiving a life that will keep you. While they are being discouraged in the 10th chapter of Hebrews to go back to Judaism, to go back to their temple worship, to go back to the sights and sounds of all of the procession of what was going on in their worship system. All of that was going to collapse within three to four years of the writing of the book of Hebrews, and he's trying to admonish them not to go back to that old covenant. And it's upon the heels of all of that pressure and persecution that the apostle says to them, look away from your immediate circumstance, and look at your heroes of faith. They did something by faith that was a picture of the redemptive work of Christ. And then he tells them in chapter 12, now look unto Jesus who is actually the fulfillment. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Hebrews 13 actually tells us that the purpose of the book of Hebrews is so that your heart could be established in grace. So he's trying to get their hearts established in grace. And we've covered a lot of these, but we're going to cover a few more today. We're clear down into, uh, 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 let's see, uh, verse number 17 of Hebrews 11. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that received the promises, offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come, And by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on his staff, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel, gave commandment concerning his bones. That's probably all the further we'll get in this segment again. But by faith, Abraham offered up Isaac, Uh, And he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son. Now this one don't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. Abraham to me is a powerful picture of God himself who offered his only begotten son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him might not perish but have everlasting life. Abraham uh, was tried. Now, we we talked about last week how they waited until, they didn't wait, but it took them until Sarah is I think 86 and Abraham was about 99. Now you finally had the promise. Now you finally have the the seed of promise. Now you finally have the child of whom God talked. This is your son. This is the seed that God promised you. And then God says to him, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, up to a mountain which I will show you, and offer him there for a sacrifice. And the Bible says that he took his son, and I could see him, you know, as he must, I I could imagine Sarah must have been fit to be tied. Probably said, don't take my son. Don't, I waited my whole life for the son. Abraham, don't you take my boy up there on that mountain. But Abraham knew something of the promise of God, and he knew God was able to raise him from the dead. All of these things picture how God raised his own son from the dead. He said he received him raised from the dead, which he did in a figure. And so this had to be one of the most difficult things. But what, what, what happened is, I think, very powerful. When Abraham takes his son Isaac up on that mountain, and he's about to put the He's, you know, the, the young man is carrying, you know, he's carrying the wood and he's got the knife and they're headed up the mountain. And, and Isaac looks over at his father and he says, My father, behold, the wood and the knife. But where is the ram for a sacrifice? Abraham makes this powerful declaration. He said, My son, God will provide Himself a sacrifice. God will provide Himself a sacrifice. And so he heads up that mountain, and while he's headed up the mountain with one mindset, he's going to have to offer up his son Isaac. There's a ram coming up the other side of the mountain, and his problem is about to converge with God's provision. Because what he's going to show him is there's a ram, which the ram is the picture of the redemptive substitutionary work of Christ. God will provide Himself. And so while I think sometimes even you and I in our early days of walking with Christ, we thought it was about our sacrifice. We thought it was about our death. Now is it about, it is about our identification with His death. Because His death was my death. And uh, it is an identification with Him. But it is, my son, God will provide Himself a sacrifice. And there was a ram caught in the thicket and hundreds of years later, when they jam a crown of thorns down on the head of Jesus, He was the ram who was caught in a thicket, who was about to be offered, and then raised from the dead. So that once again we see this apostle pointing them away from this old covenant system to show you there's a perfect sacrifice that God would raise from the dead that this was pointing to of God's provision for them, and if they could simply receive that, they could receive this powerful resurrected life. Go ahead and jump in on that if you want.
0: You know, I was, I was when we were reading that, some things just jumped out at me that I would not seen before. But, you know, he's writing this to Hebrews, as we've established. And he's writing to those that are during this transition time, of that 40-year transition time, uh, you know, while you had two covenants in operation, yeah. the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, and that time, was coming to an end; that the temple was about to be destroyed in 70 A.D., but he begins this right here in this this little segment, and he says talks about you know Abraham, you know after the promise had been given, God asked him to take him up into a mountain uh, to sacrifice him, and you know of course you were just talking about the picture of Christ, but I thought about you know I'm trying to think about this from that Jewish mindset and from mm-hmm. this transitional period that. The, even the Jewish people had waited a long time for the, they were waiting for the Messiah for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so f- for, you know, they, one of the reasons they really had a hard time receiving Jesus is because it didn't line up to how they thought the promise would come. And then he's taken out and he's crucified. That doesn't look like the promise thing, yeah. you know? And so there, but then it goes on as that, you know, he was able, that, that Abraham had faith to receive him back even from the dead, which he did as a figure. But then he goes on and says that, you know, by faith Isaac Jake blessed Jacob and Esau concerning the things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed the sons of Joseph, both the sons of Joseph in worship, leaning upon the top of the staff. By faith Joseph, when he died, mentioned the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. Really what I was thought began to see a pattern here is that because the promise wasn't just to the Jewish people, but it was for both Jew and Gentile. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the real struggles they had. Even, you know, the early apostles yep. were having struggles that this was not just for them, but mm-hmm. it was for both Jew and Gentile. That's why Peter, when he goes to the house of Cornelius, he's fighting going to the house of Cornelius mm-hmm. for a long time. He's not trying to get them filled with the Holy Spirit. He's not trying to get because he doesn't think the Holy Spirit's for them. You know, he's just going, yep. he, he goes, you know, he's just being obedient. God told him, you know, don't call unclean what I've called clean. Mm-hmm. Goes to the house of Cornelius, starts just talking about Jesus and what took place. And while he's in the middle of talking about it, they accidentally get the Holy Spirit and he's not trying to get it, you know? <laughs> Matter of fact, he goes back and, and he's getting questioned by his Jewish brothers about the house of Cornelius. And he's like, you know, they're not circumcised. They've not gone to the baptism. They've not done all the rituals we've done. They've not grown up under the law. How is it that you get? they got the Holy Spirit? And Peter goes, you know, he's trying to get his way out of it. He's like, listen, I'm just telling you, I don't know how it worked. I wasn't trying to give them the Holy Spirit. I wasn't trying to make them as holy as us. All I did was talk about Jesus and something happened. They got filled with the Holy Ghost. And they got filled with the Holy Ghost. The whole mindset even of of this old Jewish people is changing. And so even when we're talking about, you know, uh, he he, he begins to give the account of Isaac being taken up onto the mountain and sacrificed. We're dealing with actually, you know, probably natural Israel because you talked about Sarah probably going you know what that's my son i've waited a long time for him don't you take him up on that mountain but abraham being a picture of even god that knew he was able to raise him from the dead takes his son up and says this is the messiah this is the promise and i'm able to but you're going to see there's something greater here than just a son being born yeah there's something greater that's taking place here and it's so that this son can bless both jacob and esau in his days in other words what he began that that it, it is both it is the, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ that makes this not just for one group of people, yeah. but is for all nations, And it's that for was all really the people. fulfillment
1: of the promise God made to Abraham that in thee, all and you'll well, all the nations of the earth. God yeah. foreseeing, the scripture says in Galatians, that God would bless the Gentiles through this. Yeah. So he's, so he
0: be, was already hinting back then that the Gentiles yeah. were included. And so even here, I mean, when you think about him blessing, you know, Isaac blessing Jacob and Esau, Jacob was the younger son. Esau was the one who should have got the promise, you know, the, the, the firstborn promise. He doesn't get the firstborn promise. God begins to show a different pattern here that this isn't about, you know, what the pattern has always been. I'm about to do a new thing in the earth, a thing that's never been done. And it may be hard for you to understand how this actually gets, to, gets done, you know, and he, but he blesses both his sons, both Jacob and Esau. Then you've got Jacob who, say, who, who uh, uh, it says by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed the, both the sons of Joseph while leaning on the top of, or, or while worshiping, leaning on the top of a staff. There was something, I, I mean, that just jumped out to me when we was reading that, that it was, you know, you got Jacob who b- blesses both the sons. Mm-hmm. While he's dying, leaning on top of a staff, to me, that screams, the cross yeah he's because the jesus dying on the cross was not just the suffering it was him worshiping he was being obedient to god that was a form of worship in yep. those days. that being obedient to god even unto death was a form of worship so here he is leaning on the top of his staff and yep. what he's doing is blessing both jew and gentile that my death is going to be the thing that that makes of 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 many people one new man it's going to bring them all together as one nation it's going to bring them all together as one people and so he blesses both the sons of joseph while leaning on the top of his staff while he's dying you know and so you know joseph uh, power joseph uh when he died made mention of the departing of the children of israel and gave commandment concerning his bones so you got so you got this pattern where it is a picture of the death of Christ is what brings together both Jew and Gentile. It makes us all one people. Yeah. We're not Jew; that's one outwardly. We're Jew; that's one inwardly. It's made by faith because this is the this is the chapter of faith. So it's it's done by faith. It's an awakening that I'm just as much a son of God. As, as a natural born Jew I'm just as much a people of God as anyone else because of what Jesus did his blessing of both nations and then it says that Jacob gave or Joseph gave commandment concerning the departure of the children of Israel what he's talking about is I'm about you know so when you bring this into the to the Jew, to this Hebrew time and what he's really beginning to talk about he's like I'm giving you commandment because of the death of Jesus. Here's, here's what the death of Jesus is going to bring you into a commandment concerning your departure. But this time it's not a departure of Egypt. It's a departure from an old covenant to a new covenant. And here's what you're going to do with my bones. You're going, to, it's going to be a remembrance to you of how I brought you out. I'm going to bring you out by my death, burial and resurrection. I'm going to bring you out. So you, what, how you come out of the bondage of the old covenant from the bondage of the law is by the death of Jesus. By bearing the death of Jesus, and it will bring you into a place. And then what happens is, and we didn't read this, but then it goes from these two, these these different people of. The, by the time they're dying, Jacob, or uh, you got Isaac who's taken up to the mountain. You've got Isaac while he's he, he's getting ready to transition. He blesses his two sons. You've got Jacob who blesses his two sons. You've got Joseph in his death concerning his bones. But then it says, but then Moses when he was born, his parents we're not moved by the commandment of the king. In other words, here's the thing that happened. There's something new that happens after you realize what the death of Jesus did to bring us into a place that is both Jew and Gentile. There's a new birth that begins to take place that you begin to live, not in separation, but it begins to bring a unity of a people, brings us together where we begin to live in a new life. Now we're not talking about death. We're talking about your new birth. Mm-hmm. You're, you, you know, and they're dying. He blessed you but in your new birth, you're made into a completely new creation. So it was just amazing when he's reading that, the pattern of what's taking place Mm -hmm. here, the screening of of the pattern of Christ, and even what he was doing, not just in our salvation, but on a global scale to bring every nation of the earth, every man, woman, and child, every bond and free, to bring them into a place where they can receive the same inheritance and the same blessing as Jesus did. Mm-hmm. So that when Jesus is, it comes up out of the waters of baptism and God says to him, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. God could say the same thing about you because you've been reborn into something else. You've yep. been reborn into him. Mm-hmm. And there's some new promises. You are not separated from him any longer, but you have been made uh mm-hmm. one new man Yeah, I, I was just screaming out at me as we were reading those oh, scriptures yeah, of, of the pattern of even what's taking place here in these hebrews that he's trying to show them here's the thing i'm bringing you out of this old world where you're it might right now i mean even in that time it was jew and gentile still they were looking at you know one of the things that the jewish people were wanting was to get rid of the oppression they thought of the gentile nation Mm -hmm. didn't belong there Mm -hmm. you know that was trampling their temple was doing you know uh the abomination of desolation all the things they were doing in that time period and what the writer Hebrews is saying you know what you're looking at this from an old covenant mindset but what God's about to do is bring all nations of the earth as one yep. where there is no Jew or Gentile and there is no separation of this and, and there's going to be a complete and different change that He's blessing both yep. sons and bringing them into the promises mm-hmm. of God.
1: And what's really interesting too is that when, uh, I believe it was Jacob mm-hmm. uh, that blessed the two sons, I'm trying to think which one, I believe it was Jacob. When he was leaning on his staff, they brought in the two, uh, Joseph, uh, the, no
0: it's Jacob. He blessed the two sons of Joseph, I think, is what you're talking about. Yeah,
1: right? exactly. He blessed the two sons of Joseph. He crossed his arms, Yep. And it, which is another picture of the cross. He laid his hands on the fir- what was not the firstborn, yep. which really speaks, you know, I mean, it really is a fulfillment of what he said in the Gospels, the first will be last. The last will be first. In other words, the Gentiles are about to enter into this promise ahead of you Jews. Yep so he blesses the firstborn of course that also connects you to those you know the firstborn which is Christ and all of them are blessed out of what's in and because of the cross yep and then you also see you know as it goes on down i see that, uh, that's powerful stuff putting it together from the time that he he brings isaac his son who's a picture of the offering of jesus and then you see you know uh it's really br- it's really producing the deliverance yeah till you come clear down to moses who's a, a picture of a deliverer yep. who's going to bring you out of Egypt into your promised land, which is going to set us up for our next chapter, actually. But the, re- but the reality of it is is we look at Egypt a lot of times in the Christian world like, well, that's the world. Yep. You know, that's going to a movie, uh, you know, cutting your hair, a certain way. I mean, the way we used to think. But really, uh, Revelation 11 says this. It says, verse 8, Revelation 11:8 says, their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Our Lord was not crucified in Sodom or Egypt. Our Lord was crucified in Jerusalem. But the Spirit is making a direct connection to Jerusalem, and He's calling it Sodom and Egypt. So this time the deliverance from Egypt, this other exodus, is not uh, out of a physical promised land. It's out of an old covenant slave servant mentality into a sonship mentality. And he's really talking about heritage and sonship oh, yeah. and all the stuff that connects with this that he he did. But he was really saying to them, listen, uh, everything about this is going to bring you to a new deliverer that's going to bring you up out of this wilderness journey. And like you said, it matters so much to this. I, I hope you've really followed our mm-hmm. teaching to get all of the gist of what we're saying. But from 30 A.D. to 70 A.D., Jesus began to prophesy in chapter 24 of Matthew, this generation won't pass until everything I told you comes to pass. And and, and everything that Jesus prophesied happened within that generation, within 40 years. And A.D. 70, everything Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24 came to pass. Uh, the writer of Corinthians gives us something biblical to hang that wilderness exodus on. And he says, listen, he said, everything that happened to them under Moses happened as an example for us upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So everything they saw by type and shadow... You know, with the Lamb, we'll get into that probably maybe with the next one, but uh, we we might as well say some of them. But with the Lamb being slain, Jesus was the true Lamb. Uh, With the rock being smitten, He says in the New Testament, I was that rock. Your fathers ate men in the wilderness, they're dead, but I'm the true bread that came down from Heaven. Uh, Moses lifted up a serpent, but even the Son of Man must be lifted up. And if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. These things spake He concerning His death. So everything about that wilderness journey was screaming about a crossing over. But it was only the shadow. Yep. And now faith is a substance. Yep. We're not believing because God is going to do something. We believe because He already has. Interestingly enough, again, you know, he uses the term in Revelation. This is really in my book on Revelation here that I talked about. But in Revelation, the seven churches that are in Asia, he calls them the church. Well, the first usage of the word church is when it's used to describe, it calls them the church in the wilderness, because it means the called out ones. They were called out of Egypt in the Old Testament, but the church in the New Testament is called out of the bondage of legalism and law. Yep. And people say, well, from the fourth chapter of Revelation on, the church is never mentioned, so that tells you the rapture took place. Well, I beg to differ with that. What I simply see is when you see Revelation 4 as a rainbow, I saw a rainbow around a throne and him that sat on the throne. It's what he begins to see is, somebody came up out of the wilderness. That this church repenting, the seven churches, and that's what my book on Revelation is about, is that what they repent of and change their thinking about is what's going to bring them into the present reality of the kingdom, which was available to them. It was the rainbow. We already talked about this. Those are symbols of the new covenant. Uh, the, the throne. It's a symbol of the kingdom. One sitting on the throne. He's not going to be king. He's king right now. Yep. We've got to stop this some glad morning and step into the nowness of this whole deal and begin to realize that this kingdom is now. And so the church is never mentioned uh, after the fourth chapter of Revelation, not because it's no longer there. It just takes on a new form. Now it's called the bride. It's called the tabernacle of God. It's called the kingdom. You know, there's, he uses several different terms. He's called the overcomer, called the sons, all of that. But they're they're no longer in the wilderness. Yep. We have got to shift from a coming out mentality now to a going in mentality. It's time to possess what's ours. You've got a couple more minutes. Go ahead and take a few before we have to go off the air if you've got anything more to add to that. that
0: was just That's good stuff. I mean, like I said, you, when you, you know. And there's so much stuff to when you start understanding the pattern of Scripture and even where we are in history, you yeah. know, of understanding that, you know, uh, there, has been a, there has been a shift and we're not, you're not, we're not, in other words, there are things still to take place in the earth. But it's not because we're waiting to enter into the promised land, it's because the promised land is waiting for us to begin to inherit what we're made yeah. to inherit. Yeah. In other words, if we see giants in land, we see the problems in the earth, then there must be some things that we are still dispossessed. You know, you mentioned that scripture from Joshua. It's how long will it take before you will inherit your inheritance? Will you, you not possess the land that's before you, that seeing it subdued. You know, so when we really begin to understand when these scriptures, you know, like I said, we're talking about here, these scriptures are talking about that we have been made one new people. You know, we start looking at, you know, we we want to keep separating everything from from uh, the, us in the world. Rather than us being separated from... Uh, uh, a new covenant and an old covenant mentality. What will change the world is not the continuing preaching of sin, but it is, it is the preaching of righteousness. It's the, you know, yep. the scripture says the love of God is what draws men into repentance. What if we began to talk about that Jacob blessed both his sons, like you said, with the cross, and he began that, that, that the first will be last and the last will be first, that he began to take and change, Jesus changed some stuff, that he's not looking for, in other words, Jesus ain't looking to exclude any people. He's looking to include him. It's like we talked about from the, the, the ark. He's not looking to keep you out of the ark. He's wanting you to hear the gospel and come into the same, the same ark that, that Noah came into, to be saved just like Noah was saved. You know, we've got to change people's we, What we do is we preach sin and people think, well, i got to get my life right before I come to Him. And I think what God's wanting to say is, I, I blessed both the sons of, uh, of Jacob. I, I blessed Jacob, and, or both the sons of Isaac, I blessed Jacob and Esau, and they both could be scoundrels at times. Both of them had some stuff and some baggage, but I blessed both of them and I brought them both into the house of God, yep. and it wasn't by their works, it was by their faith. It was because I called them sons and because it was my will, it's my good pleasure to give people the kingdom. Yeah. I think if we begin to preach Christ and Him crucified, That's what's going to begin to change the mindsets of people. And that's when we're going to see the real deliverance of the world. Absolutely. I hope you're enjoying this, man. That's some powerful stuff because it shifts.
1: And you know, all of these men of old, the Bible said, these all died in faith, not receiving the promise, God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not enter in. That was talking to a first century bunch of people. They didn't enter in, but he was saying to them, listen, they without us couldn't be made perfect because that which was perfect was the new covenant redemptive purpose that all these things are pointing towards. Uh, Man, I trust that you're being blessed. We're going to continue at least one more segment on this as we talk about uh, Moses, uh, when he was called to go out into a place and and took the children of Israel. And uh, I hope you're being blessed by it. If you're being blessed by it, let us know. Write to us. Go on our website. You can go through email at infotlenhaas.com. Also, we really need your partnership to help us to be able to stay on the air. It's just that simple. Uh, But if you'd like to give, you can call the number on the screen. You can give via credit card or debit card. The easiest way to do it is to go to our website, and there's a place there where you can give. If you'd like to do it the old-fashioned way, you can write a check, money order, and send it to us via the old way, and that's through the mail. There will be an address on the screen and just a minute for you to be able to send that to. God bless you, and thank you for joining us again this week on the program. Tune in again.
0: The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.